It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Welcome once again to Know Your Legal Rights. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the co-host of this fine educational program, and I'm sitting with my co-host, my attorney, Dallas Elder Law Attorney, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm a little frustrated that we still have to do our calls over the phone instead of in person, but I guess the virus remains for now, and uh, it's this way or no way, so... um, this is better than nothing. Yeah, I, you know, we, we still have been safe. Uh, for those who don't know, we used to always do these things pre-pandemic at the radio station, and uh, but now we do them, and we have been doing them since March, by phone. So uh, for that, um, we hope that you uh, still can, you'll still learn and whatever it is that you want to know about, uh, but it'll be by phone as opposed to being at the radio station like we did in the past. Very good. And we also had to adapt, or you have, the last five or six months with the workshops. Those also are done at people's homes instead of coming to your office. Why don't you talk a little bit about the workshops and what goes on there and why uh, they have to do them online? Uh, well, we know why from the virus, but what are the benefits of those workshops from uh, with them being online? Yes. We do um, pre-estate planning essentials workshops uh, uh, you know, every couple of weeks. And it used to be we did it at a conference center in my office building, but because of the pandemic, uh, we have since March been doing them virtually. So people can be from their own homes and be looking at things but just the click of a button. Uh, you know, we're getting into a, a, an age where things are done a little bit differently than they were in the past. But I am encouraged uh, at least that the numbers seem to be going down. So maybe we'll be doing the workshops that uh, in both person or virtually in the near future. But right now we're still being on the safe side. And we'll continue to do so until we all are comfortable with working together face-to-face. Um, safety first. With today's program, Michael, uh, if you wanted to talk about and share with our audience the seven ways of avoiding estate planning mistakes. Can you do that today? Yeah, yeah. I thought that, you know, I, I had somebody that was talking was different people, you think about different plans and different mistakes that they make. And I just thought that, you know, some basic estate planning mistakes that people uh, just just don't do or could correct, and I think uh, this should affect just pretty much everybody. And so uh, I thought this might be a good thing to discuss today. The first thing is just understanding what you got, whatever your plan is. Now, some people say, well, I don't have very much or this or that. That's fine. But a lot of times, if they have a plan at all, you know, a great majority of Americans probably don't even have a simple will. And uh, and so no plan is, is, is lack of understanding of what you're failing to do. I know on Thursday of this week, I had somebody who, uh, he was married, and unfortunately his wife 
had early Alzheimer's. The wife had been married previously and had two children. And she, um, they, they bought a house, the husband and wife bought a house together. Um, in this case, there was just no plan at all. And he just thought, the husband thought, okay, well, you know, if she dies, well, I'll have the house. And I said, well, does she have a will? He said, no. Well, uh, I said, well, when, if she dies, you know you're going to be partners with her two sons. What do you mean? I said, well, he said, I don't really talk to them. I don't really even get along with them. I said, well, you'll never be able to sell that house or mortgage that property without their consent because she didn't have a will. You're, you're partners with them because under the laws of intestacy, um, you, you're, you're partners. You basically chose not to. You're going by whatever the state's laws are. So you've made the choice to let the state make the decisions for you. Or if you had a plan, if somebody did have a plan, uh, do they understand what they do? If, so often people might have a trust or whatever, and they don't understand what's in the plan. I had somebody call me on Friday, and uh, she was talking uh, about, okay, I have this ESOP, which is an employee stock option plan. Um, I have, you know, these IRAs. I have this. And she at least wanted to understand how everything kind of fit together. And that's good because, you because it's, you know, you have to, you can say, okay, well, I'll let the attorney do the work. That's like, and you may remember things at the time that you sign it, but you might forget. And a lot of times, that's why we even have uh, what we call maintenance programs, and we even follow up with people if they have a trust in particular to make sure they find the trust. That means putting the assets in the trust because sometimes people just either forgot because of just either lack of understanding or to just think that once it's done, it's done. And that's a you know, mistake. You ought to know what you what you have. Uh, right. If you bought a car, wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to know how, how the radio works or the mirrors work or whatever? <laughs> I think exactly. that, so not understanding the plan is probably just at least. I'm not saying that you have to know how that car was built, but at least know what what you got, what you have in there, uh, the basics of what your plan is. You don't have to under, just understand the fundamentals. I guess is the first thing. Okay. The second thing is outdated beneficiary designations. So a lot of times you'll have somebody who has a beneficiary designated, but things have changed. Uh, or, um, you know, it could be a different marriage. I, I'll never forget I had somebody who had, uh, we were looking at the beneficiary designation. And the beneficiary designation, I said, who was so-and-so? And his eyes, he had like the deer in the headlights look, and he said, why are you asking me about my ex-wife two wives, two wives ago, by the way, from 30 years ago? Why are you asking about her? I said, well, I see that you have her name as the beneficiary of your life insurance policy. I think his jaw dropped to the floor, uh, of course. You know, a lot of times people, they think about their will, but beneficiary designations supersede a will. And so if you haven't looked at your beneficiary designations in a while, uh, you may want to check that. Uh, in fact, I had one earlier uh, this week where it was a second marriage again. And usually a lot of times the second marriage things are um, always um, an issue, it seems like. Uh, in this case, the husband had said something in his will about how his IRA was supposed to be set uh, for whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did not have a beneficiary designation in his will. He had children from a prior marriage, sounds familiar. Uh, and the, um, so the, we had probated, and I was talking to the wife, and uh, who was the executor, um, which was a second wife, and I said, well, the, was there a beneficiary designation? She said, no, he didn't have anybody as a beneficiary. And I said, well, under Texas law, you have to name your spouse unless unless uh, you had agreed to not be named. Hmm. So the so I guess it depends upon the company, but um, but basically that insurance pot, that beneficial IRA was going to go to her, and maybe uh, maybe he wanted to go a different way, but we have to go by whatever the law is. And so right. uh, if you have, uh, if, if he wanted to name his children, she would have had to consent it to do that. Uh, and uh, Or he could have named his estate if he wanted it to do that way. Of course, there could have been tax issues, which is another reason why you have to look at your beneficiary designations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see, if you do have a spouse, you could do a spousal rollover uh, if that's what he had wanted. It's unknown what he wanted because he didn't take the action. A lot of times, mm-hmm. this is the same type of thing we talked about a little bit ago, that people's failure to act, uh, even if they didn't want, they didn't have a plan, or if, right. if they had a plan, they just didn't, they didn't, they didn't understand their plan. So they may have said in the will, I want my IRAs to go one way, but that means you have to uh, have the beneficiary designation consistent with that because the beneficiary designation supersedes the will. Hmm. So you have to have it work together if that's what you really wanted. Okay. It could be not just an IRA, by the way. It could be a life insurance policy, an annuity, a bank account, it could be anything. So any kind of beneficiary designation, you should probably review it every couple of years, just, just especially if there's been ma- any kind of major changes in your life. Okay. Number three, not updating asset ownership. Um, hmm. You know... Just like beneficiary designations, sometimes uh, you might have different types of accounts or property. I had somebody this week who uh, was from her family was from Missouri, and she had this property with her uh, sibling that she had gotten, I think through inheritance, and she said, I just wanted to make sure that my sister gets the property upon my death. And so I don't know what the laws are, and... Uh, uh, Missouri, but it just doesn't go automatically, at least in Texas, to the surviving owner, uh, unless there's something in writing, whether it be some sort of a survivorship provision in a deed, or something in a will, or something in a trust, that says it goes to your sister. She hadn't done anything, and so has she uh, checked on the ownership, and right now it's joint, she needs to do something about it if she wants it to be go for the benefit of that sibling. Mm-hmm. And it could be that way for anything. It could be a joint account. Uh, maybe you, um, you know, a lot of times we've told on the story. Um, uh, you may not. We may want to consider reconsider. I, I remember they had the in town child as the joint owner of an account with mom, and uh, after the in town child. Uh, asked after mom had died, there was one. Of, he was one of ten children, and he was the joint owner. And he said, uh, "Do I have a legal obligation, you know, to split this account 
with my siblings? And of course, the answer, legal answer is no. The moral answer is yes. Um, but um, he said, well, they haven't talked to, didn't talk to mom lately anyway. Justification mm. for not splitting it. Mm. Lack of morality, uh, although legal. So, have you checked your asset ownership? Have you? Is it still the way you want things to be? Is there any changes in the law that may make a difference on either income taxes or estate taxes? Uh, it could be that there's unnecessary cost or complexity that may arise for the way you have done things. You know, it could be if you had that joint account that since that time, that, that kid, let's say the in-town kid that we use in our example, is being was going to be sued, or, or we think that they are more likely to be sued. Do we want to be a joint owner on a, that person to be a joint owner on the account uh, if we're concerned that that's the type of person who's likely, be, maybe because of their profession, or maybe there's some other reason, do we want them as a joint account? Do we want it as a convenience signer only? Right. So there's different ways you could set up bank accounts um, to combat the issues that might be arise. Maybe that person's getting married, and maybe they'll be giving a power of attorney um, to their spouse. Mm-hmm. And we don't trust that new spouse, yet it's a joint owner, and that, that new spouse, that you, daughter-in-law or son-in-law, might have access to my account. Is that what you feel comfortable with? Maybe, maybe not. But that's what I'm getting to you because different things happen in life. People get married. People get divorced. People, you know, there's new kids are born. There's there's credit laws. And there's, uh, you know, the tax laws change. And we expect those, you know, think that the laws wouldn't change. No matter who's elected this year uh, mm-hmm. would be probably uh, uh, Pollyanna. Right. So, uh, so anyway, so not up updating your asset ownership, whether it be, um, uh, you know, let's say you have a life insurance policy, and you're the owner of the policy, and you want it to go to your trust. Have you done that? I don't know. You, you have to kind of look at your own situation and uh, and see what the story is. But a lot of times, people do not update their ownership information especially a concern if there's been a prior marriage, but it could be any kind of change in life situation as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yes. Ready for number four? Number four. All right. Number four is failing to uh, fund a revocable trust. Biggest mistake that people make when they have a revocable trust is something you always revoke or amend. Probably the most common trust that there is. But the biggest mistake is they sign the documents but they never, they think, oh, I'm good. I'm, maybe I had a list of assets on the schedule, but they never retitle the accounts. If you have a checking account or a savings account or an investment account, they didn't retitle the assets in the trust. And so uh, that means that they end up having to probate the will if they had a will. So usually if you have a, a revocable trust, you still have a will just in case you made a mistake called a pour-over will. It pours into the trust. Uh, but a lot of times, uh, people just either don't get around to it or forget or they inherit something else or they buy something else, they buy another piece of property, but they don't put it into the trust, uh, or they just fail to do it from the very get-go. Uh, and it's a very, very, very common mistake. So failing to... Uh, retitle the assets. Now, you don't put retirement accounts 
uh, into take money out of a retirement account to put it in trust, uh, at least during your lifetime. Because if you mm-hmm. take out of a retirement account, then you get income tax, and so mm-hmm. we to defer taxation as, as long as possible. Of course, with the IRA or 401k, whenever you take out, you get income tax. And that's why the Congress had, of course, tried to encourage us to save for retirement. So that's why they have the whole idea of retirement accounts is, look, defer the taxation until you're either 70 and a half or nowadays 72 if you were uh, based on the changes of the law that came earlier this year if you were not 70 and a half before January 1st. But in any event, you don't put an IRA into a trust during your lifetime. Otherwise, when you do, it's basically taking money out of the retirement account, which is not, unless you want to get income tax, I suppose you mm-hmm. might want right. to get income tax. No. I'm sure, sure most people don't. Mm-hmm. But, um, so anyway, generally failing to fund a trust um, is a, something that people uh, fail to do. Uh, and, and sometimes you don't even put the other assets to trust, like an automobile. Um, an automobile, because of liability issues, you can have a beneficiary designation nowadays in Texas since 2018, so you could avoid that. But if you have, let's say, real estate, uh, you do a D. Uh, of course, if you have household or personal property, you do an assignment of the personal property. That's pretty simple. And, that's, uh, and most people shouldn't uh, have a problem with that. But just failing to fund is the biggest mistake that most people make. Okay. Very good. And there's actually, there's eight mistakes, uh, not seven. And the eighth mistake would be to not attend Michael Cohen's next estate planning workshop. That is Thursday, August the 27th at one o'clock. You would attend it online or virtually, as they say. You don't have to go in person because Michael stopped doing that uh, last March. So uh, he has set it up where you can do it from the comfort of your home. And um, you can still enjoy everything that goes on there using uh, what is basically called, or the old-fashioned term, uh, video conferencing. But you can also just be there by audio if you prefer to not be involved face-to-face on um, the Zoom call or the other kind of call, whatever uh, service Mike is using. And, Michael, why don't you explain a little bit more about um, how it works and what goes on at those workshops? Yeah, I mean, as far as how it works, it's just a simple click. And, and then we make it really easy for people. Great. We tell them how to, if they don't know how to click on a link, we just tell them how to do it. In fact, we even have a audio-visual tutorial uh, if there's a, if they've never done, clicked on a link before. Mm-hmm. So but as far as the workshop itself, um, we ask people what they want to know about estate planning, whether it's any of these type of issues that we're discussing here today, or it could be about Medicaid, long-term care Medicaid, or veterans benefits. It could be about anything that you want to know. Uh, it doesn't, as far as regarding the state planning. So if you ask me about criminal law, I couldn't tell you anything about it. Mm-hmm. But if you ask about estate planning, that's what it is. If you, it's free, it's two hours. Whatever questions you might have, and whether it's personal or something that you just want to know about, then... You could ask those questions without any any kind of obligation. Uh, all you have to do uh, to go to that next free estate planning essentials workshop, which is this uh, Thursday at 1 o'clock, August 27th at 1 o'clock, uh, all you have to do to sign up is call 214-720-0102. That's 
888-3001-0102 or sign up online at Dallas Elder Lawyer, DallasElderLawyer.com. Uh, it's free. It's two hours. Uh, of course, you could go in and out if you wanted to. But basically, it, you know, sometimes people want to see what their own questions are. And, and then, but usually, it's really beneficial if you listen to the whole thing. We don't. It's not. A, it's not a planned. Uh, each workshop's different because we don't know what questions people are going to ask. Right. But generally, you'll find that you learn something from the other people that you hadn't even thought about. Sure. Uh, maybe even today, something may have happened where you learned something about some of the uh, things that you may not have thought about, and maybe maybe you have, but. You know, so some things may be fine or applicable to you, and some things might not be. But the bottom line is you're going to learn, and it's no obligation. If you do go to the free State Planning Essentials Workshop, we also even give you a free, what we call vision meeting, where you have another hour where we kind of look at your own individual situation. If you have buttons you want us to work out, we'll do it. No obligation again. Uh, that's free. Only if you go to the free State Planning Essentials Workshop which, like I said before, you just call 214-720-0102. So basically, um, it's three free hours without any kind of obligation to see whatever kind of questions you might have. Uh, it's just an educational process. Excellent. Very, very helpful. Sign up for that today. Go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, or dial 214-720-0102, 7200102. Michael, about three minutes left for three remaining mistakes people should avoid when estate planning. Well, I'm going to do, I guess I'm going to have to do this kind of quickly here. But um, first is coordinating trust with your retirement plan. We have a lot of change with the Secure Act, and now uh, we have to change what we may have done in the past because of tax issues. Now, if you're a child, uh, you have to take out, if you're not disabled or uh, have a, um, uh, you have a chronic illness, you may have to take out within 11 years on your retirement account. So sometimes we have retirement accounts go to trust to protect them from, uh, let's say, a bad marriage, a child from a bad marriage or a spouse remarrying. So now, though, we have to have special language. We have to deal with the custodians who may want you to not make any withdrawals until the 11th year. A lot of different issues just because the laws have changed this year. So we're revising a lot of the estate plans that we've done in prior years just because the law has changed this year. Mm-hmm. So anytime you have something that, uh, ooh, that's even if you had a retirement account and you protected one to protect with some sort of an IRA trust, your children from uh, spouses remarrying or uh, making sure you took care of the grandchildren, things that we may have told you last year are different than this year. So anybody who does, <laughs> so things are different. And, and even dealing with the custodians, uh, we have to maybe put things in your plan to make sure that there's not adverse tax consequences. Mm-hmm. Another thing would be updating your powers of attorney. You know, uh, you should have, everybody should have a financial and a medical power of attorney. If you don't, I mean, I had my daughter when she turned 18 do that. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, uh, you know, the older we are, the more likely we are to become disabled. So... If people don't have that, then it's really a big mistake, uh, assuming there's somebody you trust that can make those financial or medical decisions for you if you can't right. make them for yourself. Right. And then, of course, the, uh, the last thing, since I'm going pretty quick on these, is not updating your plan. The, um, you know, people, as we said earlier, we talked a few months ago, I think, about when Kobe Bryant died, that 
his his trust. He did not have the uh, his last child's birth in there, and so they had to go to court to modify the trust because the trust became irrevocable on his death, and he hadn't named his last child, who was six or nine months old when he died. And so um, you may have to update births because of births or death. Uh, somebody died, and you have that person uh, as a beneficiary, and you want to change things, or maybe there's a divorce, and uh, or maybe somebody else got got married, and maybe you're changing different things. It could be the tax law. It could be uh, any number of things, like we talked about creditors, or it could be uh, somebody's become disabled. So if you haven't, uh, there's lots of things that could occur in life. And just because you did a plan 20 years ago doesn't mean it's good today. Do you have it to deal with any kind of digital assets? Do you have Facebook? Do you have Twitter? Do you have any online accounts? Have you dealt with any of those things? Culture changes. Laws change. Do we expect laws to change? Yes. They will continue to change. Should we wait? Probably not, because um, although what we should do is kind of make sure that things are updated. So... Uh, especially if the more often it should be updated because there's more likelihood of disability. So, you know, this may be a good time, and that's why we give those free vision meetings uh, to see is your plan that you had whenever you may have done it. I just told you about something that happened last year, the changes that happened this year. So if we had done things last year, how we have to update the people's plans. How often, you know, should you get a medical checkup? How often should you go to the doctor? Well, maybe you ought to have legal checkups too, whether it's with us or somebody else. But the bottom line is uh, it should be reviewed from time to time. So make certain that uh, you attend Michael's next workshop for two reasons, to have your estate plan reviewed and to have it revised. That's probably going to be the outcome when you attend his workshop. Michael's been telling me for five years now that, 90% 90% plus need some kind of change or amendment when it comes to their plan because of all the variables he just mentioned. To do that, go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for the next workshop, which is Thursday, August the 27th at 1 o'clock, or dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 214- That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770 KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 